Hello and welcome to the 12th episode of Own Your Intuition. I'm Kelly Rich, an intuitive psychic medium here in Portland, Maine, and I have my friend Dr. Karina Dunlap, who is a naturopathic doctor from Portland, Maine as well, on the show with a sweet interview for you all. This is really like a bonus. Usually only release episodes on Sundays and there's so much going on, which I know, you know this already. So much information circulating around social media, if you're on there, about the immune system and the nervous system and about elderberry and different herbs and the cytokine storms. And um, it for me, it was very overwhelming. So I brought on a doctor <laughs> to ask some of the most frequently asked questions that you all uh, were blowing me up in my DMs when I asked, you know, what would you like me to address with her? So she's here, she's answering the questions and there is a lot of wonderful and beautiful information that is tangible for you to take into your life and really apply the tips, the tricks and the tools that she talks about right now, today, immediately. Some of them involve no money. So here we go and I hope you enjoy. And if you do, if you learn something, please share this episode, please share this podcast with your loved ones. You can tag me on Instagram at Kelly Rich Intuitive. If you haven't written a review on the podcast yet, please, in Apple Podcasts, you can go rate it, share your thoughts, your feelings on information coming in through the ears of your body and the heart and the soul of your being. Thank you for being here. Let's begin. Hi, Dr. Karina. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Kelly. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be here. Oh, so I want to just jump right in and just get right to the point. So do you want to share with everyone who you are, what you do? Yes, of course. Uh, so I am a trained licensed naturopathic doctor. Uh, when I went through my schooling, we do, you know, pre-med, prereqs, we do medical school, just like many uh, conventional doctors go through. And then we go through a series of board exams, both at our second year mark and at the end of our schooling. And uh, while I did my doctorate degree, I also pursued a master's of science in integrative medicine research. Because for me to really understand our therapies, really understand our therapeutics, I wanted to know where the evidence is. And it doesn't take out... um, a lot of the traditional kind of elements or traditional history in terms of what works or what doesn't in our philosophy. But I really wanted to balance that world really well in practice. And I just love it. I love digging into things, so topics. So while I got a a naturopathic doctorate, I also got a master's of science in integrative research. And then after my schooling, about for in naturopathic medicine, about 10% of us do postgraduate residencies. I did pursue that. I felt it was very important for me in my practice and my expertise to get mentoring and uh, a lot of exposure after schooling. So I did a two-year residency specifically in primary care and women's health. And while I was doing that, I did a postdoctoral research fellowship that was all focused on women's health. And I also did an Ayurveda project, which was really fun, but it was mostly women's health topics um, for two years as well. My residency was um, very intense. My rotations involved shadowing many MDs, working very integratively. I was in clinics all over Portland, Oregon, um, many uh, endocrinology clinics, gynecology clinics, uh, reproductive and general endocrinology. So I developed a passion for hormones. <laughs> and um, what's great about hormones are that really they are signals in the body that travel from one system to another. So you really have to understand a lot of systems in the body. So you take a very whole systems approach when you talk about um, helping people with hormone care. But I really think of my expertise now as being focused on gut hormones and brain um, those are kind of my highlights in women's health. And then with treating women across all stages of life, fertility, menarche, and perimenopause to postmenopause. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a lot. I love this though. I've been so, um, I've been like a nun to my studies for probably, <laughs> you know, that's how I think of it. I've been really, truly very so focused. I mean, it's been over 10 years more plus now, you know, so it's been great. 
Well, can you talk more about the the gut and immune system connection? Because I know I'm active on social media right now. And for those listening mm-hmm. who are likely active on social media right now as well, there's so much information from so many different sources about the immune system and how to boost it. And then there's this... Um, there's this doctor in Hawaii, he's a chiropractor, and he talks about how you can't actually boost the immune system, yet there's all this information about boosting the immune system. So I'm wondering if you can talk about talk about that. Yeah, so we're really careful in our field to use language like boosting the immune system. And the reason for that is... The immune system is very complex. There are individuals who have an overactive immune system, generally speaking, and there are individuals who have an underactive immune system, generally speaking. And then there are, there are, uh, and, and those underactive immune systems may be in the context of immunocompromised or immunosuppressed. But overactive immunity in the context of for example, autoimmune conditions, we certainly don't want to boost immunity in those individuals. So we're very careful not to use the language of boosting the immune system. Does that make sense? Yeah. So did you just say, what I heard you say was someone who has an autoimmune disorder or something going on in that manner, you don't want to boost the immune system, meaning you don't want to increase the activity of the immune system. Correct, especially in the way that it's already overactive, um, which is in autoimmune conditions, we talk about tissue or the body basically becoming confused and then attacking self. So we definitely don't want to overdo it um, for autoimmunity, but it's complex. You know, there's a lot of complexity there. Wow. Okay. Um, This feels like a great way to kind of step into... um, well, I'll give you a little backstory. So for me personally, I have a, a main herbalist here, local, super close to my house, and she makes um, tonics and all these elderberry mixtures and different things. And I've been taking them um, daily with like fire cider and all the things and, you know, quote unquote, doing what I thought was right. <laughs> and then there's information and I'm seeing people post about the cytokine storm, which I know you and I talked about uh, yes. today. Yes. And is that what you're saying right now? Like, it, because is it, is a cytokine storm essentially the immune system is on overload and it's there's just too much going on so that if you actually do get COVID-19 or if you do get something similar, then it's actually not good. Yeah, so it's a little complex. I have to back up a little bit to explain the cytokine storm idea. So is that okay if I do a little bit more <laughs> kind of instruction? <laughs> is that the way you pronounce it? Cytokine. 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 Yep. Cytokine storm. Um, so when so when we're talking about viruses, we the way that viruses work are basically that they have what we call spike proteins or S proteins. So you can imagine like just for simplicity's sake, a ball with these little spikes on it, okay? Um, The way that the virus then attaches to our body or attaches to tissues is via these spike proteins. Um, We're learning about COVID quickly, but we're so in the infancy of the research on COVID-19. But what it looks like is that, for example, with, with flu, we know that the spike proteins bind to salicylic acid with COVID-19, they're binding to these receptors called ACE2 receptors. ACE2 receptors are found in the lung tissue. They're found in the kidney, other GI, and other areas of the body. So with SARS, for example, with MERS, other um, infections, ACE2, um, they, um, so Backing up, COVID-19 binds to these ACE2 receptors, but it does so in a different kind of way than SARS and MERS does in that um, it has a, um, a cleavage or a, like a way to bind more um, uh, efficiently, <laughs> I'll say. I'm going to try to not be too sciencey, but basically um, it stimulates inside. If it gets inside the cell, in which we're finding, you know, it does, especially um, in certain individuals getting inside the cell and in inducing um, this 
inflammasome kind of inflammasome cascade of an inflammatory response. When that happens, there can be an over, there can be a production, inflammasome triggers an inflammatory response. Inflammation specifically, something known as IL-1 beta. When the cytokines cytokines are produced, that can be very helpful. That's part of our body's natural way of inducing uh, a healing response as well. So we need in some inflammation to heal our body when anything kind of is a, it's under attack in any way. But when we get an overproduction, that can lead to overproduction and too much cytokine and the body becomes overwhelmed. So we call it a cytokine, cytokine storm. And um, it looks like COVID-19 basically has a mechanism of keeping a gene turned on that can exacerbate that cytokine storm issue, especially in certain individuals who aren't, whose systems, whose immune systems aren't um, regulating more efficaciously than others. Does that seem? Yeah. Is what you're saying that elderberry is helping some people, but not everyone right now? (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh. And elderberry, when we talk about elderberry, it's, um, so, (laughs) so again, so with elderberry, and this is all from what we've seen. So there's one paper that came out that said there's another cytokine known as IL-6. IL-6 is an inflammatory cytokine. It also makes another one that makes people feel very anxious, but it's also an inflammatory cytokine. So there was a paper, there was a paper that showed elderberry syrup induces an increase in IL-6. Um, there were, it was a small, very small um, population. So I think around 12 people from my memory. And, um, but what we've seen elderberry do in situations of like the cold, common cold and the flu. Now we're not talking about COVID-19 and I will just start by saying there is no research right now, no research on treatment for COVID-19 in terms of natural medicine, that being you know, nutraceuticals, botanicals, um, vitamin therapy. There's no research right now. We don't know. Um, you know, we're testing certain drugs, antivirals, but so there's no known treatment. Um, so it's really important to <laughs> grasp. But what I'm but around elderberry, we know that elderberry in different forms can have a different effect. So, for example, in an extracted syrup, it has a different effect. In a um, whole berry type of form, it has a different effect. And like many herbs, elderberry is, um, can be adaptogenic or it can change. It can induce a certain response, um, in certain individuals or in certain cases and, and reduce that response in other cases. So I think where elderberry, where people are being cautious in saying avoid elderberry is because this one study, um, showing an increase in IL-6, for herbalists and for many um, naturopathic doctors who are studied in, um, in botanical medicine, we do a ton of study. And for a lot of immunologists as well who know natural medicine research, we, we have to say, hold on, that's, you know, a very kind of pointed look at elderberry and, and kind of overly simplistic, whereas it can be adaptogenic. It can be, it has, it can help, for example, with we, we have research on it helping in cases of flu, helping to stop the binding of flu, helping to decrease the, um, it can decrease cytokines in certain areas. And I'm happy to share that research with you so you can put it in the notes. Yes. Thank you. Yes. So, so I think we just, you know, it's like one of those things where um, I think it's smart to be cautious. And I also think that people are thinking right now very simplistically about immune support. And I want to talk about that at a certain point, but I'll let you guide kind of when we get to that. Oh, that's good. That, feel, that kind of feels in progression. Uh, but I just want to make sure it's, it's clear because I had, when I did a little poll and yeah. people that you were coming on, what I kept hearing about was this cyto, cyto I'm saying kind. Cytokine. Cytokine storm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Storm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Um, with elderberry because people, I mean, when I went to Whole Foods and I, I went and, um, I was getting my grandparents some, you know, trying to get them situated. <laughs> all the elderberry was completely swiped out. And yeah. I know that it was like where people just naturally were drawn to, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So much information about elderberry and it's kind of become one of those hip herbs, if you will. Mm-hmm. 
you know how mm-hmm. herbs have their like their moments and their <laughs> their peaks but i really what has really stuck out to me in what you've said so far is that there is no research exactly so no idea and it's not like you're the holy grail and you know all the answers so i just want to be clear with everyone listening it's like from what i'm understanding is that mm-hmm. it could be good but it could also not be good and that there are no blanket statements with it and it's kind of goes back to listening to your own body and your own intuition and reaching out to your own healthcare practitioners and that this exactly. isn't a replacement for any healthcare advice at this time it's really like an informational talk so taking all this with a grain of salt is really important. exactly thank you for saying that it's really important to me that no one takes this information as their uh, medical as medical advice for them specifically i'm such an individualistic practitioner too everybody's different but there are some overarching themes that i think you and i can touch on and we'll so. Yes. So do you yeah. want to talk, did you say you wanted to chat about the immune and the gut connection? Oh yeah, let's do that. Um, that would be great. Yeah. Um, so fascinating. I is. So so in in our training, so we think about the body as very interwoven, interconnected uh, whole systems. Okay. So when we talk about, and the, the immune system is getting a lot of attention right now, but when we talk about the body, we're not segregated, separated into these separate systems. We are very complex, very complex. So one feeds into the other, feeds into the other. And I know people know that when they, you know, step back and think about it. But when we talk about a lot of biomedical model approaches to care, we think about like a drug working on a specific system or working on a specific mechanism of action, what we say in, in medicine. But, um, you know, when we talk about kind of whole systems approach. We're talking about how to support the body in whole to make the body stronger, more resilient. Um, when we think about the gut and the immune system, there is a very big focus. Um, the reason why there's a very big focus on the gut is because so much of the body's immunity is built there. Basically, um, for um, example, we have this tissue in the gut called GALT, um, and it's it's the um, it stands for gut associated lymphoid tissue, and it's the prominent um, lymphoid tissue in the gut that um, can produce basically this, um, it, it, it responds to what we're getting exposed to in the environment. If you think about like when you get a cut, the skin protects our body from so many things, but when you get a cut, your body is then exposed more quickly to whatever is on the outside of that cut or whatever is, was the, whatever caused the cut. When, when we're kind of living with our skin intact, for example, our body's getting exposed through other Orifices, right? So we're getting exposed to um, one of the big ones is through the mouth and through the gut system. So the gut is lined with these um, this tissue that then responds and can um, basically act up against the bacteria that we're getting exposed to. So we have a lot of helper cells in there or a lot of helpful bacteria in there. Are, um, and we can also have less helpful bacteria that can then influence the way the whole entire immune system responds to our outside world. Is that a good enough explanation? Yeah, essentially (laughs) if the gut is healthy and the lining of the gut is healthy, then our immune system may be stronger. Exactly. So I always focus on the gut with everyone who comes in and it's not just because of the immune system. We have a lot of interwoven connectedness from the gut, but exactly. If the gut is in good shape, I always start there and I just did a post on the gut. The gut is in good shape. We see people really thrive in so many ways from hormones to brain to immune to um, so many, so many areas, so many systems can be influenced by gut health. What would you say to people right now that are looking to address their gut? Like where can we start? Yes. So I, um, I just did a post that, and people are welcome to check out my Instagram at dr. Karina Dunlap, but, um, I, and also my Facebook is the same name, but I, I, if you want to start focusing on the gut, focus on the simple things first. People always go to like this higher level of intervention. I feel like first, when we think about the hierarchy of kind of the therapeutic order hierarchy, the basic things have a huge influence on how all systems in the body respond. So for example, for gut health, um, 
bigger kind of picture things would be like even exercise can really tonify the gut and help with digestion. Mm-hmm. Um, not overdoing or underdoing it, but really can help tonify that system, help tonify the small, um, smooth muscle contractions, help to move and peristaltic movement of the gut, help to digest better, help to move, um, excrete more. <laughs> as well, um, where we need to. So exercise, sleep, for example, is also really important for the gut. Um, so much in our immune system. So, so much happens in repair and detoxification when we are sleeping um, well. And so really getting those key hours, I think of, um, you know, the Ayurvedic clock, but that's kind of more traditional medicine. But I think about the key hours being really 10 to six, um, really getting solid sleep between those hours. And then um, keeping the stress of the body down. And the reason why I talk so much about stress in the central nervous system being that connection between um, your your body and your brain really um, is that when we're stressed, for example, the, the body goes into hyperdrive, that more fight or flight response. And what happens when we're stressed and we're stressed chronically, and this is happening for people who are very anxious right now, um, the, the, the gut, so the, the GI system wants, will, will go on pause because the body kind of considers that as um, secondary to what's happening in the moment. So the, um, the GI system will slow down. Um, we think about rest and digest. The reason why we say rest and digest is because the smooth muscles work better. The parasaltic movement of the GI system works better when we're rest, resting. So when we're stressed, think the GI system slows down and our, and our reproductive system slows down. So hence a lot of difficulty trying to conceive and things like that when people are stressed. But there's, it's more complex, but I'm making it kind of simple in terms of understanding that idea. Um, We also see that people are chronically stressed. One of the immune cells in the gut downregulates. It goes down and that's um, secretory IgA. And that's like one of our um, kind of first offenders, if you will, in the gut. Um, And what that does is it puts us at risk for more, um, become a host of infection and a a host for infection in the gut. So when we're exposed to things, we're not going to um, resolve it as efficiently if our uh, SIGA or secretory IGA is down. Things like parasites, worms, uh, bacteria that are more pathogenic or opportunistic. So supporting the gut is multifaceted. And I just, I always go back to like, what are the basics? Sleep, decreasing stress, really um, eating in a restful way, taking, you know, um, really focusing on exercise, regular exercise that's helpful and not overdoing or underdoing it, you know, um, finding that sweet spot for you. And then talking with your doctor about really what is a good um, plan of action more individually for you. And then, yeah, basically, you know, I always say like my patients always get very individual plans. Nobody gets the, the same plan as the other, but I do usually start with some form of probiotic, although everyone's getting different strains because I do test their microbiome. I look to see what are the strains that are deficient, where we're overgrown. You know, I don't want to, um, want to balance for them. So, you know, probiotics are very helpful, very helpful. Um, but they're very different. There's not (laughs) there, you know, there's like saying a probiotic is helpful is almost like saying a drug is helpful, really. (laughs) That is like direct language from my immunology Mm -hmm. um, colleague and professor. (laughs) So, you know, probiotics are are, there's so many different strains. There's so many different types. Um, and then prebiotics. Prebiotics you can easily get in your food. Um, prebiotics are things like um, um, our fermented veg. Um, let's see. I have a whole like list sauerkraut here. Sauerkraut. Sauerkraut is really good. Um, yep. Um, garlic, apples, flaxseed, leeks, bananas, um, oats, onion, dandelion greens, asparagus, artichoke. Jerusalem artichoke, cacao, and burdock root. Those are really great prebiotic foods. But I, yeah, a lot of my patients, and they know this, if you're listening, (laughs) will say, oh yeah, she's giving me that suggestion. Um, There are some similarities, but those, yeah, those. um, So helpful to have a list, like to have some tangible things people, I know. Exactly. Kind of running to our local farm stands and grocery stores, but yeah. I guarantee we can find probably at least one of those left. Yeah. And then just thinking about just regular, you know, fruits and vegetables, the fibrous foods can yeah. be really good. Yeah, exactly. And some people don't tolerate high fiber foods as well. Some people don't tolerate those prebiotic foods as well. And those would be conditions like SIBO or SIBO, um, small intestinal and small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Um, some people have trouble with those. And if you have trouble with those foods, then it might be a 
a reason to see your doc yes. to chat about. And then the other thing I talk about is um, using aromatic herbs. Aromatic herbs, what we're seeing is from, re- from research from a, um, Dr. Ciarellini. He's a French uh, researcher who really is quite um, invested in um, glyphosate research. I'm looking at, you know, Roundup and its effects on the body. But um, one thing he's been able to, he's doing preliminary research on, but been able to show is that how um, helpful to the gut and to the um, immune system, but also to um, our ability to detox out, detox out some of these immunotoxic chemicals are by using aromatic herbs. So things like rosemary, things like thyme, sage, um, anything you get your hands on that has a, a, a smell that you're attracted to. So you involve all your systems. So you smell the herb. Is this feeling good to me? Incorporate it into your food. That can be actually quite helpful. And he um, was saying, I think in, you know, in theory, I'm not saying like the, the, I saw some of his preliminary research, but, but, you know, it just makes sense to me too. Like these are like, this just makes sense to me. Um, you know, using the herbs as medicine, using food as medicine, um, and also what your body is attracted to. Like, does that feel good to me? Is that feeling like it's going to soothe me? And um, but incorporating them. Oh, that feels like Ayurveda in a way. Like, um, <laughs> a background Ayurveda, and you know, we, we tell people when they're putting oil on their body for an Amyanga self massage. It's like exactly oil that doesn't smell good because you're not going to want to use it. Like, why would you get food that doesn't look good to you or taste good? Why, you know, all these food pictures are so like hip and going viral because we love to really feast our senses on beautiful things, whether it's with our eyes or our nose or our mouth. So that's, wow, that, I just wrote that down too. Like, Like I wrote down, smell it. And if it feels, you know, if it feels good or smells good, then get yeah, it. Exactly. Love yeah. To have it inside and do its thing with this. So, wow. Yes, exactly. They're so, you know, our, our bodies are very complex and like we actually can decrease, you know, inflammation by doing things that please us, that make us feel good, that make us happy, you know, um, laughing for example can decrease inflammation like like meditation we know can decrease inflammation but things doing things that just make us feel calm and happy and at ease and all of us right now i think more than anything if we're thinking about boosting our immune system i say find ways to make yourself happy right now find ways to decrease your stress you know yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) like we're all we're these complex beings but like let's yeah simple yeah, exactly. We can, I can talk science and I can talk simplicity, but it's really like, it's really comes down to some of those basic things always, you know, which is really like how beautiful the body is, I think. And we are as community too. What just came up for me is this connection of rest and digest. And when we're choosing things that make us happy, we're likely in that, in that place. We're likely not on that hyperdrive or overdrive or in fight or flight when we're choosing things that make us happy. Like it's just, it it doesn't really go hand in hand. Maybe sometimes, (laughs) you know, like standing up and speaking to a couple hundred people, like definitely revs up. (laughs) It also makes me happy. Not necessarily that, but like coloring or being outside or with our animals, like things like that can really like can do wonders and be medicine. Oh my gosh, so much right now. Oh, and more than ever. And in terms of the gut and in terms of digestion, exactly, there's that rest and digest, but the whole process of cooking and cooking in a playful or relaxing way if possible, you know, we have to, you know, we're cooking to for the function of eating, but we're, we can also cook for the function of this is really helpful for my body. And that's part of the food as medicine approach is that we're smelling we're tasting, we're preparing, we're anticipating, we're, we're sharing, we're giving, you know, there's like so many aspects of it that are helpful to the body and can help us digest and also help us decrease inflammation. So, yes. And I, yeah. remember, I remember one of my teachers, her name was a Dr. Rosie Mann, and she, um, she would say, what you are feeling and what you are thinking while you are creating a meal while you're cooking and chopping all that prana, all that energy, that life force energy will be transformed in the food and then you'll eat it. So if you're arguing or you're upset or you're listening to heavy things and you're doing that, you're essentially going to be putting that into your body. So be mindful of like where you're buying your food from. And if you're in a restaurant, all you hear in the back in the kitchen, uh, the cooks yelling and fighting, like maybe you don't eat there all the time, which I found that to be so interesting. That is so interesting. I love that. Yeah. 
I think there's a lot, a lot more that we also are, we can't see in like a paper, for example, and, you know, a scientific paper, but that like just makes sense too, you know? Can you talk about, um, could you talk about like vitamin A, C, and D right now? Mm -hmm. Sure. So, um, what we know about, so there are botanicals that have, you know, been shown to help with common cold and flu. Not much, you know, there's, in, when we're, whenever we're talking about natural medicine, we don't talk about there being a plethora, a ton, a ton of research on a lot of these things individually, but we take what we have and we use it. Um, in terms of where vitamin A, D, and C fit in, those are pretty much the ones that have been shown to be most helpful in other like common cold and flu situations. Um, to support the immune system, we see that they can decrease the reactive oxygen species, um, and they and specifically vitamin C may also help decrease that inflammasome um, inflammasome response, which then is that like cascade kind of sign- signals that cascade as response when we're talking about cytokine storm. But we don't. The thing is, we don't want to suppress all of this. You know, we don't want to like suppress our entire. Um, all of the, uh, we don't want an underactive, like I said, an underactive immune system. We don't want an overactive immune system. So we don't want to like suppress so much. So um, we have to just be careful. I always say that there's like this, there's this concept of a hormesis curve and I don't want to get too technical without like actual visuals, but you know, things in too small amount or things in too large amount can be toxic and kind of finding like the sweet spot in between. And it also is this idea of chemicals too, when we're exposed to toxic chemicals, sometimes in a very small amount or sometimes in a larger amount. I'm not saying go expose yourself to a medium amount of chemicals, <laughs> but I'm just saying that that's um, this hormesis idea. In, in terms of vitamins, people think more is better, but more, more is better is actually not the case so much of the time. There's like a toxic level of vitamins, especially we have to be careful right now. People are upping their vitamin Ds. You know, we definitely, we want people to have a healthy amount of vitamin D, but it's like, we really can't, we, we can't overdo it. And we have to be very careful about that. And do you find that it's individual again? It's like, you can't just come out and be like, yeah, take a thousand milligrams of this and take it out like that. Yeah. That means nothing to me. (laughs) I know exactly. And that's such a, it's a, it's a more sophisticated way of approaching natural medicine, you know, whereas like there's all these vitamins on the shelf and people go in and they get this random information from somebody who doesn't know them. And it's like, how can that person give you that information? It's very, I mean, we can, we can say this and that can be, is likely very helpful. Um, but yeah, exactly. We, we don't want to overdo it. So some people put themselves on too much and I come, they come into my office and I test their levels and I'm like, Oh, that's, we need to bring your levels down. But I would say the majority of people, um, are needing some vitamin D it's true, you know, that I run tests on. And I would say the most common dosing I put people on is around 1000 to 2000 I use, but again, I'm not your doctor. I'm not making medical advice. I'm not giving medical advice to you. This is just, I'm just giving, telling you what my experience is. Um, but yeah, some people need more and some people need none. I'm surprised sometimes people need none, (laughs) you know? Do you find, um, is it vitamin C a vitamin that is soluble? Is that correct? So that it just moves through, like if there's extra, it will just, you'll just urinate it out. Well, you're, and it will create an osmotic laxative effect on the body. So your um, vitamin C can create too much, can create diarrhea. And we definitely don't want people to become dehydrated right now either, you know? So, you know, there's research, there is a little bit of research being conducted right now on vitamin C with this virus but we don't know we don't know enough at all we don't it's just, it's very hard you know uh. it's very hard what we what i say to people right now more than anything is think about your body as a complex whole system and whole systems focus on the basics focus on your sleep focus on decreasing your stress focus on giving yourself good nourishing food focus on getting some exercise and outdoor time mm-hmm. um you know outdoor time is like incredible for decreasing stress. I was involved in a research study that actually looked at our salivary biomarkers of cortisol when we were in the woods. And then when we were in like a city landscape with lots of cement and noise, it was incredible to see what we saw in that our entire cortisol, I mean, you have to take enough people to really get, you know, weed out the variables that can be for an individual, but what was fascinating was in the woods, our, our cortisol completely, and we were surrounded by greenery and, you know, lots of natural set in this noise and the smells and everything 
the cortisol went down. So this idea of forest bathing, you know, it's not just like, okay, this is a traditional practice that really calms people. It actually works by on, on a biochemical level does work. Um, Kurt Beale was the, um, was the principal investigator of that research. I need to pull up that study, but basically it was fascinating to me and, you know, to be involved in it, to see and to feel in my own body, even the difference. That was really cool. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm actually, this is my vacation week. I, I don't have any clients scheduled because I was supposed to, first I was going to Italy and then that, you know, stopped. And then we were going to go, um, you know, my partner was talking about going into this, like maybe going into New York city or into Boston, somewhere local. And I was like, absolutely not like just tuning in and feeling it. Cause I, I'm, I'm, I feel so sensitive, like just as a human being. And as you're saying that, it's like, I can feel that even just holding an image of the city or feeling myself in a big city like New York city, and then switching my visualization to being like on the beach or in the woods. Uh, it's like, I can feel my system shifting. Yes. It is. It is palpable in your body. I agree. I completely agree. When you're really tuned in and we're really focusing on how am I feeling, you know? So, you know, while that was one study, I also want to, um, I want to speak to that individual piece too. There are people who feel very anxious in the woods. There are people who feel anxious in nature. They feel unsafe too. You know, some people have grown up living in city landscapes or city, you know, with, with in, um, in busier, like, environments and that is where they feel safe too so you know it is there I think we we had a certain population in Portland Oregon people who were choosing to live there and those are the people that were in this involved in the study and I think there's a lot to be said about nature being very healing but I also want to give permission to those people who like you know that's not me and just say listen to yourself because (laughs) whatever you're doing right now to help decrease your stress is the most important thing and because I say it or somebody else says it it doesn't mean it that's right for you (laughs) that's exactly what the show is about like, your <laughs> you know, it's like, what works exactly. for me is not going to work for you. If it does great, if it doesn't also great. It's yes. Okay. yes. But in the end, it's like, we give us, we can give as much information as we can and we can talk about all the studies, but it comes yeah. down to what do you feel like you need at this time and right. really taking, you know, hold of that and in, in doing it. Exactly. You know, exactly. What you're talking about are really pillars of health in general, not just like mm-hmm. what's going on in the world, like sleep and organic diet, welcoming in these herbs and mm-hmm. <laughs> clean water and helping the nervous system and the immune system, like in these very simple ways that um, sometimes I feel like people for whatever reason aren't available for, like they'd rather have a pill. They'd rather take the vitamin D pill than carve out the time in the middle of the day to go for a walk in nature kind of thing. And yeah. I feel like we're on this, we're, we're in an energetic shift and perhaps this is what is helping to wake up people into what's really important and that we have had the power all along to make changes and shifts. Exactly. I see. I, I completely agree with you. Like there's an opportunity in this moment as hard and as, as sad and as scary as it is. And, you know, I grieve for all the people that are being impacted and we're all being impacted quite honestly, you know, but, but who are directly experiencing loss right now and who are directly experiencing, um, food scarcity. And, um, I, I just think we're, we're going to see a lot of grieving right now, but I also think we all have to take a moment to create that that very quiet time and space to say, what is the opportunity here? And how can I, how can I change what I'm doing now to be better? Like we have, we have to fight right now for our health. We have to, like, I, 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 you know, you see the people who are impacted the most by this virus has having um, it's, it's an age issue. You know, we think part of that has to do with, changes in inflammation in the body in general. Inflammation goes up as we age. We think um, also the the comorbidities, meaning people with cardiovascular conditions or diabetes being at higher risk. Um, There are many explanations for that. But what I think of is let's take a moment to think about anything we have going on in our health and try to make those things better. You know, let's get back to the basics. Let's figure out where our life isn't serving us. Um, And I just it's just, a, it is an opportunity. You know, there are things I'm doing right now that are new, like that I needed to work on more, you know, I needed to shift things and I'm sure you're doing the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's unpredictable right now, but I feel yeah. like it's 
of this space to really reevaluate where I've been committing. Uh, one of my favorite words in Sanskrit is Prajna Paratha, which means crimes against wisdom. So it's like, where have we been committing these crimes against wisdom? And perhaps we start with our health. And yeah, um, yeah I'm feeling it. Feeling it hard. Yeah, you know, exactly. Or whether, whether you're a doctor or not, you know, it's yeah. like, I think just having you say that too, like having all this information and all this knowledge, it's also like sharing with people, like I'm figuring it out too. Like I don't have all the answers and it's, we're all just a work in progress. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But I think, you know, when you make little shifts, you feel it in your body and it's reinforcement that this is on the right track, you know, getting outside more than once a day or, you know, it can be this getting better. Literally just going to bed at 10 o'clock. Like exactly. You just start there. It doesn't have to be all these things all at once. Exactly. Yeah. And I think people are um, in panic mode. So they're rushing out and they're buying up all the vitamin C and they're buying up all this, you know, and it's like, let's start with this idea of where the you can make the biggest impact. I'm not saying those things aren't helpful at all. I'm just saying that where we make the biggest impact is getting back to the basics. It's, it's, I'm not trying to be oversimplistic, but it's really powerful. Yeah. And like there's an and there. And yes, exactly. Exactly. Truly. Something once where it was like all of the herbs and all the expensive supplements that you have will never replace a poor diet and lifestyle. (laughs) Right. Exactly. That's a great quote. And then you can, yeah, exactly. I say to my people, you know, I, I think it's important to, to, you know, make sure you're not deficient, but it's like, what we take, what we do is more powerful than what we take. What we think is even more powerful often than what we do, what we take. Yeah. It's really, um, yeah. And, and I think they're all important, you know, because I do, you know, we'll recommend things to people, vitamins, nutrients, botanicals, but I'm a big lifestyle proponent person too. Like if, yeah, exactly. If we're not eating the, you know, if we're not making attempts to change certain things about how we eat or what we're eating, um, And then there's, you know, we're not necessarily going to have all the choices in the world right now. You know, things are limited. It's like you walk into the grocery store. (laughs) That's all you need to do is walk into the grocery store and realize, okay, I got to make do with what I have here. Um, But there are things we know that, um, you know, are are not necessarily going to help support our immune system right now too. Yes. So. Is there anything else you want to share with everyone? Any tips or tools or anything at all? Any any final wisdom? My biggest kind of reflection on everything that's going on and all the conversation about immune support is let's think about also the franticness that has been happening and how truly, truly in panic mode we all are. And in order for anything to work well in the body, we have to take a moment to bring down that level big time. So my, my feeling is, you know, supporting or supporting the immune system really can start with supporting our stress levels. And, and it's, it's hard enough to say that because I know it's a very stressful time and, and it's, um, but there are things we can do for that. You know, there are great support things for our, for our um, stress. You know, I'm taking herbs for stress right now. It's, I'm, I, I love things like, you know, um, pass, simple things like lemon balm, passiflora. Now, if those things, I, those things might not, not be right for you. Um, you have to ask your doctor about these things, but there are nervines. Those are, those are things that I'm heavily focused on right now. I think, you know, indirectly, because we don't know exactly what works with this virus in terms of natural therapies, but we do know that when, from research, we do know that, um, when these, when we are more stressed, we are more likely to have a poor response to something we um, are trying to fight, and we're also more likely to have a cold. In when we're studying common cold or we're studying the flu, we're more likely to have those things when we're more stressed. So it's, um, you know, I think we need to be focused on supporting our nervous system more than ever right now. And again, we can do that through sleep, getting outside, through um, good food, through making ourselves happy however we can right now. Um, I feel like um, restorative yoga can fall in that category. Oh my goodness. You know how much I love restorative yoga. (laughs) (laughs) 
I uh, love it. Right. By the way, your class, you have this amazing community class. It's like, it just feels so good. And the first time I went in, you know, I'm an Iyengar. My background is an Iyengar yoga. So like, we're very therapeutically minded in our approach, but it's like, you know, the restorative yoga has always been some of my favorite because I, but I love the active poses, I love the strength building and the um, openness that could come from all of it. But like the restorative yoga is just, when do we take time to do that kind of work in a normal day to day? It's yeah. like, we, I mean, I would like to say, I would like to do it every day. You know, this, yeah. every morning right now, I'm making time for a few poses and it's like, I have to, I have to, that's one of the changes I've made. So, but it's like that class that you have is so lovely. And I just, I'm like four poses an hour. Perfect. It's like, but it's so, so deep. It's so deep. Yeah. It's like that with anything that you can get into a parasympathetic state. And right now we're not going out and interacting with others in this way, but my typical um, go-tos for that parasympathetic, you know, well, getting outside and next thing, but, you know, um, doing acupuncture and things like, I love hydrotherapy as a therapy. I offer um, yoga, restorative yoga, so lovely. Uh, walk on the beach, you know, holding hands or holding hands with someone in your contained space if you have a partner, but if you don't, you know, just being with yourself and taking deep breaths. Breath work is amazing for that. Um, parasympathetic support. So parasympathetic support is huge. If we want to support our immune systems right now, think about how to support the central nervous system and get out of, um, have moments where you're taking a break from, yes, we'd all need sometimes to be stressed. There's no doubt. There's, there's a reason for that. You know, we, there are moments to be, okay, I need to get things done. I need to have a little bit more um, fear with that. But at the same time, more often we're in that stressed um, state, that fight or flight, and we need to figure out ways to support the central nervous system right now. Can I ask you about Tulsi and chamomile? Mm-hmm. Are those a relatively safe? Yes. Yeah, those I, I would say are very safe. You know, chamomile is something we even give kiddos. Um, we give, you know, sometimes we even give babies. I'm not going to say you can give your baby this at all. I'm not a pediatrician. Just yeah. I'll outright say that. And I don't focus on kids. I focus on a certain population. Uh, but, but chamomile is a lovely thing to do. A nice cup of chamomile tea at night. Don't underestimate the power of these things that you know, what calms you down. Chamomile, it's like, so it can be so simple, you know, Cam and Tulsi is lovely as well. Okay. Wonderful. I wanted to put, put those out on here as well. Yeah. I think, um, you know, some of the things that are more specific for IL-6, like I said, IL-6 is the, when we are talking about the cytokine storm, we were talking about elderberry increasing a little bit of IL-6 in that one paper, why people are being very cautious with elderberry right now. And I think it's just keep in context that that was one extraction of elderberry at one, you know, as a syrup, it's different from whole plant, but anyway, what we know helps decrease IL-6. Um, that is an inflammatory cytokine that make, can make us feel anxious as well. We know that meditation can help with that. We know that um, certain herbs like lemon balm and passiflora and ashwagandha can help decrease IL-6. So, you know, those are, those are lovely. And um, things like rosemary, you know, I brought up rosemary because that's a aromatic herb that we can eat, but it is also helpful for decreasing IL-6. So it's, you know, there are things we can think about, but none of this stuff has been studied for this infection. I just want to say, you know, what we're talking about here is, you know, ways to decrease our stress, ways to decrease, you know, potentially some underlying other um, inflammation in the body, but really working with your doctor is my best advice there. Oh, thank you so much. Where can people find you? (laughs) <laughs> yes. Um, well, I am at D you can go to my website. You can, the best way to contact me, the best way to reach out is through my web, through my, I have an email. My email is, um, dr Karina, C-O-R-I-N-A Dunlap, D-U-N-L-A-P at gmail.com. Or you can go to my website, dr Karina Dunlap. Dot com. I also have Instagram and Facebook that are the same. And you, you're welcome to direct message me. It's, that's no problem. But the fastest way I would say is through, um, through an email. And, and I just gave you my email. So That's wonderful. Yeah. So was, you're so welcome. I was so happy to be here with you. And, and I'm so grateful that you're here. I feel oh. <laughs> Oh, I feel so honored to be, and you and I have connected, like, like you and I have like been like, yes, you know, we can see like the brilliance in each other. I think I see the brilliance in you and I know, like, I just, you know, when you see somebody you're like, they're my people. (laughs) You feel like a kindred spirit. Yes. I just admire your, 
your intelligence and just how your brain works and how you connect your heart. I mean, that's, that's pretty rare. It's for me and the work that I do. When people are so rooted in the intellect, sometimes it's difficult for them to be in alignment with their heart and their spirit, but boy, um, you've got it going on. So <laughs> with your wisdom, your hard work, your education, your love, your experience, your wisdom, you are really a light for this community. And, um, I cannot wait to just see what else you have up your sleeve for everybody and um, watching your business grow is, is wonderful. And I'm actually going to be in touch with you soon in person. Oh, Kelly, you're amazing. Thank you so much for all everything. And also for the work that you're doing. I so appreciate, I can't wait to get back to class and I've been watching your retreats and (laughs) I'm like, Oh, that sounds amazing. I'm sure I'll be one of your retreat attendees at some point. when it's supposed to yes of course okay what an absolute honor to have dr karina dunlap on the podcast today i will be sharing her sources that she sends to me about a lot of the studies that she mentions here in the overview of the podcast you can also find her information there as well my information there as well where you can find us on Instagram at Dr. Karina Dunlap. It's Dr. Karina Dunlap and at Kelly Rich Intuitive, both on Facebook and Instagram. And the same thing for .com. So kellyrichintuitive.com and drkarinadunlap.com. If you learned something, if you got something from this, please share it with your community. Please share these messages. There's a lot of fear going around right now, especially around herbs and the immune system and the gut health and what vitamins to take and um, a lot of scarcity mindset. So please share this information and take care of yourselves. I will be likely doing some kind of restorative class to help facilitate the nervous system in settling, especially for those of you feeling anxious or stressed, which many of us are, uh, this can be a tool for you to help the parasympathetic nervous system and shifting out of overdrive. Like Dr. Karina says, this will either be live on my Instagram or it will be an IGTV where you can revisit it uh, as many times as you'd like on my page. I'll post about that more soon. And Take care of your community, take care of your loved ones, reach out, check on them. The other thing that I wanted to share about the uh, nervous system is you have all these receptors on the skin. It's like your nervous system lives on the skin, according to Ayurveda, and Abhyanga, which is self-massage, really helps to soothe the nervous system. If you go to my blog on Kelly Rich intuitive.com. There's an entire free resource there for you on how to perform abhyanga, what kind of oil to use, contraindications, things like that. And just a final reminder that none of this information is medical advice. We're not prescribing you, diagnosing you, treating you, none of that here. Please reach out to your physician, your doctor, your medical people. Reach out to them if you have questions regarding your own health. And this podcast is about owning your intuition. So tuning into you, what feels right for you and really taking the time to honor that. The time is now. If you're looking to honor your intuition, to own your intuition, the time is now. It's not tomorrow. It's not next week. It's not next year. You haven't realized we're in this energetic shift together. And this energetic shift is really calling us to tune in, to go down and in, down and in, down and in what's important. Take some breaths, do what you need and May you be well and may you feel the love and the support that's all around you always. I'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to Own Your Intuition, Conversations with Kelly Rich.